The word of God that comes to us today is from Jesus, the master in the parable, who says, enter into the joy of your master. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we read a gospel reading like we just did, and gospel means good news. Sometimes we read a good news reading, we say, this is the gospel of the Lord, and you say, praise to you, O Christ. And it's hard to say it, because it doesn't sound like good news, right? How does that parable end? A man is in darkness, and he will not come to the light. He sees wrong, and he will not, uh, he will not come. And so it's hard to say, praise to you, O Christ, thinking about that. But is there gospel in that gospel reading? Well, certainly, right? There is a, a master who gives his property away, who entrusts his, his workers, his servants with a lot. One guy has five talents. You all got five talents? Like, ah, I'm good at typing, uh, basketball, video games, banjo, picking on Peter now, um, and taking out the garbage. I'm great at those things. Peter's great at so many more than those. Is that what he's talking about? You all got five talents. Well, someone else has two talents. And then one guy has one talent. Uh, I don't know, maybe, the, anyway. Some of us are thinking, yeah, I don't have any, but one, maybe I can find. Well, talents is not the things we're naturally good at here. Uh, talent, in this case, is, is stuff. It's uh, equivalent. One talent is worth about a million bucks in Jesus' day. So he gives to one guy $5 million, roughly, right? He gives to another $2 million, and then to another a $1 million. Wow, right? Does he say what to do with it? He just, if you read the text, it does not say you all got to go out and you must perform a certain way and I expect it to be doubled. Does it say that? No, he just entrusted to him. Entrusted means gave, gave him the property, gave him their, his stuff, gave what we could say a treasure, would anyone here be okay with one talent? A million bucks, right? I'd be all right with that. Five, I don't know. I don't think I'd be the person that has that much ability to manage it. So I'd be happy for anything. Well, there is gospel there. And at the end, the, the master comes back and he does say to the one with five talents and with two, the ones who were faithful, that is, they had faith, they did something with their talent, this treasure. He says to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Those are beautiful words, right? Well, I would like to go back and use this story, think about who is who in this story, and tell another story that brings it all to light. Uh, take a look at your bulletin cover. I like this picture. How's this guy feel? Right, he just entered into the joy of his master, right? Wow, this is great, isn't it? Anyone feel like this today? Probably not, not quite, right? This guy is happy. You know why he's happy? I magnified this so I could see exactly what he's doing. What is he doing? He's reading the Bible. In fact, I zoomed in, and the Bible story is 2 Kings chapter 7, which is, uh, in your, your own Bibles, that's the chapter we're going to go there. In the pew in front of you, there's Bibles. Turn to page 291, I believe it is. The print is small, I apologize. Some of you have it on your phones, whatever. But there's a story there, and I'm going to tell you up front. There's the same characters in the parable as there is in 2 Kings. 
Same guys. And reading these two stories together helps us see us better. So let's take a look. As you're getting there, the context is this. This is like uh, seven or 800 BC. There's a kingdom in the north. It's in Samaria. And they're surrounded. They're besieged. Uh, there's conflict. And they are, uh, they're, they're starving. They have, they're out of food, right? It says in the previous chapter that, um, a, this is gross, but there's so many gross things about it. They're so starving that they would buy a donkey's head for 80 shekels, right? Any of you want to do that? Even if you had 80 shekels, you'd say, no, thanks. I'm okay. I'm all right. But they would. That's how hungry they were. So the man of God shows up. This is uh, the beginning of the chapter. It says, but Elisha says, so he comes to the king and he's telling him this news, a promise that he has. He says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour, that's about two gallons. So two gallons of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two Sias, that is four gallons of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. That is at the, at the town gate. In other words, there's going to be so much food, like we can, it's not going to have much, it, it'll have value, but it's going to be so plentiful that everyone can get it, right? Think about this for a minute. This is like, you know, it's like you open up the doors to, to Sam's Club, everything's almost free, just go get it. Think of that in the context of, I was starving and I have nothing. That's the context. That's what the man of God says. And then the captain, this is verse 2, the captain on whose hand the king leaned, that is the right-hand man, the king's captain, said this to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? How does he feel about it? You're lying to us, O prophet. Be quiet. It's false hope. But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Right? So just reading real quickly, we might think that this, this, um, this king's captain has more than the average person, right? If we think of the king, he has, he's got five talents. This guy is definitely above everybody else. He's got two talents. So just hold that thought. And then here's the story continues. Verse 3, now there were four men who were lepers. What's worse than being a leper? Being a starving leper, Right? They can't even be around other people because they're lepers and they're starving. There's four men who are lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. They don't have any chances of surviving. So where it says, if the Syrians keep us alive, that's like saying, or I'm sorry, if, uh, if they spare our lives, we shall live. We could say, is, like, is the Pope Catholic? Y'all? Sorry, that's too colloquial. Yes. Are the Syrians going to kill us? Yes. They have about the same chances as the Pope converting to be a Methodist. It's not going to happen. Right? They don't have much hope, except it's better than the chances they have, because if they stay or go in the city, they're definitely going to die. So they're like, well, you're saying there's a chance, right? They're going out, and they're going to give it a chance. Well, they know where they are, just to think about Psalm 90. Remember uh, a moment ago we said this, Psalm 90, this is Psalm of Moses. Moses is lamenting the fact that, that he's about to die, that all of us are about to die. Psalm 90 in your bulletin says, you return man to dust, 
You say, return, O children of man. You sweep them away. We're brought to an end by your anger. So he goes on and on about the, the fury and the futility of this life. Uh, we're all just going to die. That's Psalm 90. That's where they are. So verse 5, it goes on and says, So they arose at twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the king of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Wow. Did you catch all that? That's pretty awesome. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. So think for a moment, who are, if we take this story, who are the lepers in the parable? They're looters. They, do they have a great treasure? Maybe a million dollars worth, right? A lot. They have a big treasure. What have they done with it? They hid it, right? They put it in a cave or somewhere where they can have it. They've hid it. So perhaps they're the man with one talent who took the great treasure and just hid it away. You think? Maybe but that's not the end of the story. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. And we can keep reading. They go and tell the king. The king has to do some fact checking. And yeah, sure enough, there's stuff everywhere because the army just left and they left a lot of stuff. And so it was that there was all this food uh, that was there. Look down at verse 16. It says this, Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a seah of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gate so that he died, as the man of God had said. And when the king came down to him, uh, when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seas of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the captain had answered, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? That's the story. It goes on, but it's a beautiful story. And it tells us a lot. So let's now think about this. Who is, uh, Who are the lepers now in the parable? They're the good guys, yeah. They're the ones who have a treasure and decide not to just hide it, hide it under a rock, but to say this is a wonderful treasure and it's not just for me. They use it, right? They use it to share with others. And what happens? So uh, to think of the parable, they had five talents. They shared it and now they could have had you know, uh, gold, silver, food, drink, uh, clothing, all that stuff. We could think of that as five talents, but they shared it. And in the sharing of it, it turned into many more talents, right? Like the parable has five more. That is the people who came and were blessed by it, right? Everyone gets to survive. 
So that's who the lepers are. The lepers are either the guys with the guy with five talents or two talents, right? Their treasure was shared and it's great. Who is the who is the king's captain in the parable? Man with one. He has one talent. Why? Because he says, when God promises, I'm going to give you so much flour, you won't be able to do anything. Uh, you, know, you won't know what to do with it. He said, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, right? This can't happen. I can't believe it. Why? Because he's like the man in the parable. The man in the parable, when he's called to question, he says, you know what, master? I knew you were a hard man trying to get things that don't belong to you. I knew you were hard. I knew you were difficult. So I was afraid of you. That's who that man is. And it didn't work out well for him. But what did the man say, the king's captain? He said, even if, the, if, the, if God should open curtains in heaven, right, this can't happen. Well, he, of course, was turned wrong. He was proven wrong, right? Because it did happen. People had so much provision, they didn't know what to do with it. Well, that... He was completely turned wrong in many ways, not only on that day in Samaria, um, but the prayer of Isaiah that's very similar to that. It's, it's this. Isaiah says, O Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Literally, God, rip the heavens open and come down because we need you. And that is what has happened in this story. So think for a moment. There's another character in this story. We could say the man of God or God, right, himself. The man of God comes and promises, right? He says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to have everything you need. Is there a man of God in the parable? Yeah, it's the master. The master who gives away everything, right? All his property. It says, also a man who went on a journey. Has Jesus gone on a journey? Yeah, he's come down from heaven for us. He's ripped the heavens open for us. And the man of God in, in 2 Kings spoke a word that came to be. Well, so did Jesus. The next chapter in Matthew, which is not printed in your bulletin, but the very next thing in Matthew chapter 26, it says this, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. He said that in advance, knowing it would happen and knowing what it would do that he would die for me and for you. Think what, back to the second king story, not only did the man of God speak and it happened, but there, God himself was active in that story. What did God do in that story? In the second king story, what did God do? He made the Syrians flee, Right? He, he routed the Syrians. He made them leave, right? And he provided. We could say in the same way, Jesus said here, in two days I will be crucified. In the same way, he's the man of God who speaks. And in that, God was acting to make the enemies flee. And who is our enemies? Right? Who is our ultimate enemy? Right? Satan and death and sin. All those things were put to flee when Jesus was crucified for us. So we can rejoice. So we know who the man of God is, Jesus. We know who the lepers were. We know who uh, the uh, king's captain was. So there's one question left. Who are we? Who are we? Who are you and me individually? And who are we as a church? 
We are the congregation, but in the story, in the parable, who are we? In the, in the story, we could be like the king's captain, or we could be like the, the man who's given one measly million dollars and says, God, you're a hard God. You don't give anything. I knew you would want more than you should expect. I just knew it, right? We can doubt God, shake our fist at God, and think that he's not going to give us anything good, right? But that's not why you're here. You're here because you are good and faithful, not in yourself, because you have faith. You're full of faith in the, in the man of God, Jesus himself. So you have a great treasure. We have a great treasure. I don't have two million or five million. You may. You tithe on it, please. Um, but we have a great treasure. As the lepers said, we're not doing right. This is a day of great news. Is this a day of great news? Yeah. Jesus died for us. He rose again. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God so he can hear all your prayers. When you pass into death, he stands and receives you. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead and will bring the kingdom of heaven that will never end. Is that a good news or what? So, be people of faith. The Lord has made you good through Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.